0: Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right you will receive. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came who were hired about the eleventh hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only for one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first. And the first will be last. For many are called, but few are chosen. Into your mind when you hear the word grace. Webster defines grace as favor, goodwill, kindness, the free, unmerited love and favor of God, the spring and source of all the benefits men receive from Him. Our gospel passage today focuses our minds upon grace, the unfathomable grace of Almighty God. One scholar calls this parable one of the greatest and most glorious of all. This is because there are layers of meaning within the story. Like all kingdom parables, it is a mystery, and like all kingdom parables, it proclaims the gospel. Jesus began to teach in parables back in Matthew chapter 13. Then in Matthew 14 to 19, He gives several instructions and teachings and performs various miracles. Now Jesus continues his parable teaching with chapter 20, the story of the landowner. Look at verse 1 of our passage. Do you see the word for? Whenever you see the word for in scripture, you need to ask, what's it there for? The word for connects chapter 20 with chapter 19. In chapter 19, the rich young man represents all who wish to enter the kingdom of God on their own merits. Remember, the rich man said to Jesus, What must I do that I might obtain eternal life? Jesus gave him an assignment to point out that he could not save himself on his own efforts. He said, Give away everything and come follow me. But the rich man couldn't do it because he trusted more in his wealth than in God. Entrance into the kingdom of heaven is not a matter of doing, but of receiving. The rich young ruler personally discovered that doing will not bring a relationship with God in his kingdom. The parable of the landowner proclaims that only by receiving will we experience reconciliation, union, and communion with God in his kingdom. The rich young ruler rejected Christ and went away sorrowful. Why? Because he couldn't bear to enter the kingdom of God on the basis of grace. He was eager to do something on his own to merit entrance into the kingdom. We begin our relationship with God by grace, that union is daily sustained by grace, and our inheritance in God's kingdom is ultimately achieved by grace we must avoid self-assessed piety. It is not for us to look into the mirror each morning and ask, how holy am I today? That's self-righteousness, not the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ in which we are clothed through God's unmerited favor. Rather, our daily attitude ought to be, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy upon me, a sinner, Cleanse my heart and teach me how to love and adore you more and more. Now, in chapter 20 of our passage, Jesus continues teaching on the kingdom, and one of the layers of meaning in this parable is how God extends grace to those who enter his kingdom. He says that the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who graciously pays all his day workers the same full day's wage, irrespective of the work they have done. Verse 2 of our passage in Matthew 20 says And when the landowner had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. What was the wage? A penny a single Roman denarius, which was the normal wage for a day laborer. So here's how the parable unfolds. Normal Jewish working hours were from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Day laborers were not on a salary, but hired from day to day depending on the harvest. If there was a good crop of grapes that year, and the rains were coming soon, many men were needed to harvest the grapes before the rain came and ruined the whole crop. So men would come to the marketplace early and wait until the landowners hired them. The landowner came to the marketplace early in the morning, probably about 5.30 a.m., and hired the first batch of workers. Then he did the same thing the 3rd, 6th, ninth, and 11th hours, which would be 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 o'clock p.m., and 5 p.m. Then came closing time, 6 p.m., and he told his steward to pay all the workers beginning with the ones who were hired last at 5 in the afternoon, only an hour before closing. So everyone lined up to receive their wages, and behold, the workers who were hired at the eleventh hour, who only worked for one hour, were paid a penny, a whole day's wage. Then the ones hired at three o'clock were also paid a whole day's wage, and then the ones hired at noon, all the way down to those who worked the whole day in the hot sun. All were paid the same wage. This strange way of paying day workers caused some significant grumbling. Those who were first hired early in the morning thought they would be paid more since they had worked through the heat of the day. They grumbled and cried out, Not fair! Workers revolt! We demand just wages! Sounds like some workers in the United States and Europe clamoring for higher wages today. The landowner tells the day workers who were first hired early in the morning in verse 13 and 14, Why are you grumbling? I am doing you no wrong. You agreed to work for a denarius, and I paid you what was promised. Why are you envious of your brothers? Why do you criticize my generosity? I can do what I wish with what belongs to me. As with all kingdom parables, the central truth of this parable concerns the fact that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is present in the person of Jesus Christ. Because the kingdom of God is at hand, this is the hour of reckoning. We must respond. We must repent and believe the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the gospel of free grace. It is the message of a person gained and a kingdom entered, not by our own efforts, but as a gift of God's grace lovingly bestowed upon those who believe. As the landowner gives the day's pay to all he hires, irrespective of how long they work, so God gives the blessing of entering the kingdom to all hired workers equally. This is an amazing truth. The principle of the world is that the one who works the longest receives the most pay. But the kingdom of God doesn't work that way. In the kingdom of God, the principle of merit and ability is set aside so that the riches of God's grace can prevail. How is grace revealed in this story? Primarily in the unexplained actions of the landowner. We don't know, for example, why the landowner goes out to the marketplace to hire five times a day, and even including just one hour before pay time. We don't know why he brings in all the workers he can find and doesn't stop to choose those who seem healthier or more motivated. And he does this work himself, when he could have sent his manager. Then there is the same pay for all workers— Can't the landowner see how unfair this is? What kind of a guy is he, anyway? It turns out that he knows exactly what he's doing when he tells the manager to give the workers their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. He could have eased the situation by paying the workers in the order in which they'd arrived. Those hired first would have left the vineyard with their denarius and not been upset by what happened next. But Jesus intended the first comer to see the last ones receive one denarius. Why? Because God wants to demonstrate his generosity, his loving kindness. The point is not so much that the landowner is partial to some workers as that he wants to give the first and the last the same. He gives to everyone according to their needs, not on the basis of their merits. Years ago, in 1871, the story was told of a very talented French chef named Babette, who fled from Paris to avoid the French Revolution. She found shelter in a small village on the coast of Denmark, where she lived with two frugal spinster sisters who belonged to a religious group founded by their pastor father. The father, now deceased and the members growing older, The group became stoic, unmoved by joy or grief. They had become legalistic. Babette cares for the sisters and serves them as cook and housekeeper for nothing more than room and board. No one in the village knows that Babette is the famous chef from the most renowned restaurant in all of Paris. Many years pass by. Through Babette's kindness to the sisters, their lives and finances have improved. One day, Babette receives the word by mail that she has won the French lottery of 10,000 francs, or about $60,000 in today's economy. Astonished at her good fortune, Babette prepares to leave Denmark to return to France. Meanwhile, the 100th anniversary of the religious group is approaching and the two sisters plead with Babette to prepare a special celebration dinner to honor their pastor father. After some deliberation, Babette decides to cook a real French meal for the sisters and their religious group. She lovingly spends her entire lottery winnings on the ingredients for the meal and prepares everything herself and then personally serves the feast. Tibet has prepared a rich, sumptuous affair with color, texture, and delight. Fine linens drape the table festooned with gleaming silver candlesticks and elegant china. The food itself is a wonder. Quail fresh turtle soup graceful decanters of wine, pastries of exquisite lightness, sauces of unutterable delicacy, a cake cradled in a nest of ripe fruits and drizzled with sweet liqueur. At the end of the meal there are glimmering grapes and figs that burst open with their own succulent ripeness. Babette has spared no expense. Indeed, she has given everything to prepare the feast of a lifetime. Seated as one of the guests at the banquet table is a General Lohenheim, a famous French statesman of no small stature. He is utterly astonished to find such exquisite fare unfolding in magnificence before the twelve guests, course by course, plate after plate, drink after drink. At the end of the meal he rises to his feet and speaks of a famous French chef, a woman who in the years before the Revolution was renowned for her culinary artistry. He said that the chef made dining a love affair in which there was no distinction between spiritual and physical appetite. The general remarks that the food before him is the very food he had once savored from the hands of this famous French chef. He confessed that this elegant experience has changed him from within. He said, There comes a time when our eyes are opened and we realize that mercy is infinite. We need only await it with confidence and receive it with gratitude. Mercy imposes no conditions. It takes all to its bosom and proclaims amnesty. That which we have rejected is poured out upon us. When the guests finally leave the table, Each one is completely transformed from within. They have reconciled with one another. They have dropped old quarrels and received forgiveness. They have come to understand the riches of God's unfathomable grace. And this is the point of the wonderful story. Babette's lavish feast is the grace of a lush banquet which feeds not only the body but the soul. It is a picture of the marriage feast of the Lamb, the gospel feast where all longings and hungers of the heart are met and fulfilled. Course after course of grace and mercy is served. The wine, symbolizing the newness of the kingdom, flows freely. Food overwhelms in its abundance of beauty and taste. Babette herself in this story is an icon of the Lord Jesus. Our Lord came humbly to live with mankind and take upon himself the role of a servant. Babette did what the rich man could not do. She gave all she had, her entire lottery winnings, to provide an overwhelmingly gracious banquet. So our Lord Jesus Christ gave all he had, his life, his teaching, his miracles, himself, his body and blood, to provide for us the glorious banquet feast of the gospel. Have you experienced the unfathomable riches of God's grace? Are you seated at the great gospel feast of Jesus Christ, eagerly partaking of His goodness? Have you received Christ as Lord and Savior and been baptized into His church? if you have never surrendered your body, mind, soul, and spirit to the Creator of the universe, I urge you to do this right now. Let's review the tremendous truth of this parable of the kingdom once again. It teaches us the wonder of God's unfathomable grace. All mankind must bow and surrender to the grace of Almighty God. We have no claims upon God. We have all sinned against Him and chosen to rebel away from His love. We desperately need His mercy. God, as the landowner, goes out to find us, to invite us into His vineyard, when He certainly can do without us. Does God need any of us? Does He whom all the hosts of heaven worship and before whose throne the cherubim cover their faces need man's worship and allegiance? No. God is great. He is supremely great, beyond our conception, great above us, great beneath us, great within us. He doesn't need mankind. We desperately need him. Let's apply the teaching of the parable of the landowner to our own lives. First, to the elderly in my audience. Some of you have spent many years of your life running away from God. You have lived perhaps 60, 70, 80 years or more without responding to God's grace. What a tragedy! How many long years have gone never to be recovered, and still you resist God's grace? You may have only a few years, perhaps only a few weeks to live. Come to Jesus Christ before it is too late. Turn to Him now. Repent of your sins and believe in His death on the cross for you. Some of you are still young. You may be in your 20s, 30s, or 40s. You say, I'm not yet at my 11th hour. There's plenty of time to deal with God and religion when I'm older. The best years of my life are ahead of me. Don't bother me with talk about God, the Bible, judgment, and grace. I urge you, my friend, to listen to the words of King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He says, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days draw near. The conclusion of everything has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this applies to every person. Whether we are elderly or young or middle-aged, The sovereign God is calling us to enter into his vineyard, to enjoy all the good and blessing of his kingdom. It is our great privilege to do good work in a good place for a good master receiving a good reward. All of life is a gift, and all of life comes to us by the immeasurable grace of God. Ephesians 2, 8-10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. To those in my listening audience who have not yet responded to God's wonderful invitation of grace, I urge you, come. Come today. Open your heart to the glorious grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you that you might be brought back into relationship with God, that you might enjoy real union and communion with your Creator. Turn to Jesus now. Tell him that you believe in him. Tell him that you trust him to forgive your sins. Ask him to make you a new person from the inside out. To those who are already followers of Jesus Christ and members of the church, are you working hard for your master? There is nothing more satisfying and fulfilling than to work for God in the vineyard of his kingdom. Matthew Stenberg, a godly theologian, writes, Christ's call is not for man to occasionally remember the kingdom towards which he strives and to have that remembrance give some shape to his daily life in the world. His call is for man to be wholly shaped and formed by the seeking of the kingdom. The object of the Christian's vision is at every moment to be the kingdom of God. The focus of every deliberation, of every act, of every thought is to be God's righteousness and His kingdom. O Beloved, how many of our choices are based only on this present life between birth and the grave? We must rise up and recapture a vision of our whole life, everything we do and say and are and have, oriented towards our eternal kingdom. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for this wonderful parable that reveals the riches of your grace towards us. May each of us open our hearts to receive all the love and mercy you want to give us We pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the program Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G A U D E T E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel on the radio to a needy world. You may donate online at our website. Your gift, large or small, is gratefully appreciated. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary.